It's Wednesday, August 28th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into Brexit after UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson asked the Queen to suspend Parliament. Critics say Johnson's trying to force through Brexit on his terms. Then, Hurricane Dorian is threatening Puerto Rico, which is still reeling from Hurricane Maria almost two years ago. And finally, after 15 days at sea, climate activist Greta Thunberg sails into New York City. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about Brexit. It's back in the headlines because today, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson went kind of rogue. Actually, he used a tool called proroguing to close down Parliament and have Queen Elizabeth reopen it with a speech in October. This practice goes back centuries, but Johnson's opponents say this isn't normal, that it's actually about Brexit and making sure it happens on his terms, regardless of what Parliament wants. So today we're going to get into what Boris Johnson's announcement was, why the Queen is getting dragged into this, and how British politicians are responding. Today was shaping up to be a normal hump day in the UK. Members of Parliament were on a break, back in their hometowns talking to voters and doing whatever politicians do on holiday. Brexit's been in the headlines, but at sort of the normal volume. The deadline is fast approaching. Brexit is scheduled to happen on October 31st, Halloween. And Johnson says he's okay leaving the European Union without a deal if it comes to that. A lot of members of Parliament don't agree that this is a good idea. But once again, they're on holiday. Well, Boris Johnson shook that all up this morning. He announced that he would ask Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II to give a speech to Parliament on October 14th. That sounds pretty uncontroversial, right? Far from it. Here's why. Traditionally, the Queen gives a speech to start the new session of Parliament. Everyone expects it, and its content rarely makes major news. But a part of this tradition, and what Johnson's critics say is the reason he's doing this, is that Parliament is usually suspended for a few days or weeks before the Queen's speech. So Johnson's plan here basically means shutting down Parliament for more than a month, right when politicians thought they'd be debating Brexit. Of course, Johnson didn't put it that way. He says he just wants to get the ball rolling on other policies like healthcare and infrastructure and fighting crime. Oh, and Brexit. Tricky. We need new legislation. We've got to be uh, bringing forward new and important bills. And that's why we are going to have a Queen's speech. And we're going to do it on October the 14th. So is the Queen down with all of this? If she's unhappy, we probably won't hear it from her. There's an unusual relationship between the British royal family and the UK government. Some countries have ditched their royals, but the UK has kept theirs in the mix. Even though the Queen is the formal UK head of state, she has to stay, quote, strictly neutral with respect to political matters. The Queen is so serious about this, those are the exact words on her website. So Queen Elizabeth gives this Queen's speech to Parliament to say what lawmakers will be working on. The party in charge of Parliament writes the speech. So the agenda changes year to year. But the Queen definitely doesn't get into name-calling or point-scoring. Another thing about the Queen's speech is that she doesn't get to pick the date and time. She has to get invited. 
And it turns out that the people advising her on how to RSVP are made up mostly of senior lawmakers from Johnson's party, the conservatives. So she doesn't have much choice here. And today, she agreed to Johnson's plan, including the part about sending parliament on an extended holiday. So if she's got any issues with Johnson's plan, she's keeping them on the DL. If Queen Elizabeth is keeping calm and carrying on, Boris Johnson's political opponents are having none of it. CNN grabbed this clip of Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the opposition, the Labour Party, speaking today. What the Prime Minister's doing is a sort of smash and grab on our democracy in order to force through a no-deal exit from the European Union. What's he so afraid of that he needs to suspend Parliament to prevent Parliament discussing these matters? When Parliament briefly returns next week, Corbyn says Brexit opponents will do everything they can to stop Johnson's plans. And Corbyn said that includes calling for a no-confidence vote to try and boot Johnson from office. And even the Speaker of Parliament, a guy named John Burko, kind of flew off the rails about this whole thing. Like the Queen, he's supposed to remain politically impartial. But today he called Johnson's plan, quote, an offense against the democratic process. From him, that's saying a lot. So what's the skim? On its surface, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson is doing something his predecessors also did. He's calling in the Queen to kick off a new session of Parliament, with a speech, par for the British course. And since Brexit talks reportedly led to the Queen's speech getting cancelled last year, Johnson claims, I've got a new agenda and I'm entitled to do this if I want. But his opponents don't see it that way, and allege they're being cut out of the Brexit decision-making process right at crunch time. The deadline for the UK to leave the EU is now 64 days away. But thanks to Johnson's move today, Parliament has a lot less time to hash things out before they Brexit. Meanwhile, over in the Caribbean, another storm is brewing. Literally. As we're recording this episode, Hurricane Dorian is making its way toward Florida, hitting the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico on its way. Right now, it's a Category 1 storm. This weekend, experts are saying it'll grow to a Category 3 and could hit Florida. Though at this point, things still could change. Here's Dave Roberts this morning. He's a hurricane specialist at the National Hurricane Center. I can't stress enough the uncertainty in the forecast. It's very complex, particularly after Day 3, and both intensity and track. So let's talk about what we do know, which is that this thing is hitting Puerto Rico. And Puerto Rico is still recovering from Hurricane Maria, which was a Category 4 hurricane when it hit the island two years ago. The power grid collapsed and people were left without homes. According to the government, a few thousand people died in the storm's aftermath. But the exact number is up for debate. Puerto Rico's housing administration says that since Maria, at least 25,000 people reportedly still don't have a roof on their homes. No roof. And now they're expecting up to 10 inches of rain. On top of that, Puerto Rico's government has been in political turmoil. Earlier this month, the island went through a total of three governors in less than a week. After the first resigned and the second guy was declared unconstitutional, in-stepped Governor Wanda Vasquez. She's been in office for three weeks, and this storm is going to be one of her first big tests. 
Here was Vasquez at a press conference last night. She said they're prepared. Authorities on the island say they have enough fuel and emergency supplies to weather the storm. And if the power goes out, they've contracted utility workers to restore power quickly to homes after the storm. Vasquez declared a state of emergency on Monday, and President Trump approved a federal emergency declaration yesterday. That means the U.S. government is willing to spend federal dollars during the storm and in the aftermath. But while the Trump administration has promised to help Puerto Rico, some Democrats are questioning a pretty big money transfer that happened yesterday. More than $150 million from FEMA's disaster relief fund were sent not to Puerto Rico, but to the U.S.-Mexico border to pay for detention beds and temporary immigration courts. And Puerto Rico is still waiting on more help while recovering from Hurricane Maria. Over $40 billion has been allocated for recovery efforts. But as of April, they'd only gotten about $11 billion of it. So it's worth keeping an eye both on the storm and what happens after. The stroke of midnight tonight can mark a major turning point in the Democratic primary, a one-night-only debate. Under the Democratic National Committee rules, candidates had to prove two things this summer to make it to the third debate. One, that they received contributions from 130,000 different donors. And two, that they polled at at least 2% in four or more approved polls. For a while, it was a nail-biter. Ten candidates had made the cut, but it looked like billionaire financier Tom Steyer might also make it in. His entry would have split the stage in two, but he failed to hit that 2% mark in the newest polls released this morning. Unless we get a surprise new poll by tonight, the lineup is in. And it's only 10 candidates, one night only. Those candidates are former Vice President Joe Biden, Senators Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, Bernie Sanders from Vermont, Kamala Harris from California, Cory Booker from New Jersey, Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, deep breath, South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke, former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Julian Castro, and entrepreneur Andrew Yang. That debate is scheduled for Thursday, September 12th. But for those who didn't get in, there's always next time. They've still got a few more weeks to find more donors and get a bump in the polls to qualify for the October debate. If they can, they'll join the long list of candidates we already read out, who are already cleared for next time. So we may still get another two-night debate in the future. For more on the road to 2020, including everyone who's tossed their hat in the race, head over to our coverage at theskim.com slash 2020. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from a racing yacht in Manhattan. That's where 16-year-old climate activist Greta Thunberg docked today after crossing the Atlantic Ocean in a sailboat the length of a bowling lane. She's in New York to speak at the UN General Assembly meetings next month. But Thunberg, who doesn't fly because of the carbon emissions, needed another way to get across the ocean. So she set off in a racing yacht crewed by professionals on a 15-day journey from the UK. The trip quite literally had its ups and downs. On Monday, Thunberg tweeted a video of really rough seas south of Nova Scotia. But today she made it safely to shore. 
After finding her feet, a reporter asked what her message was for people inspired by her journey. Here's the tape from PBS. If you try hard enough and long enough, you will make a difference. And if enough people stand together, fight for the right thing, then anything can happen. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and be sure to hit subscribe so we're in your feed every weekday. Also, we love podcast reviews. So if you can, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review Skim This. And if you don't already, sign up for our free morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, by heading over to theskim.com.